Well, it's sizzling hot out there, isn't it? Yeah? You're enjoying the heat this summer? That's what you get for complaining about the cold in the winter. <laughs> anyway, it's all good. This is uh, welcome to our summer sizzle series. This is the first of our uh, our series, and we're going to be talking about some stories and sagas from the scriptures all summer long. So that's what we've got in store for the next several weeks, and uh, we want to just take some time to look, particularly in the Gospels, the stories surrounding the life of Jesus and his teaching, um, to kind of give us a little bit more. Um, understanding of what it means to be Christ followers, to actually live the life that Jesus calls us to live, what it lives, what it means to live in the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of the world. But we also want to give a chance, we've got a few openings in different spots where we haven't filled in the topics yet, but if you have a story or a, a, a scripture passage that maybe has uh, caused you to ponder and think a little bit and you want to hear that uh, story discussed or uh, want me to use that as a text, or something like that, then I encourage you to write that down on your connection card. You got a connection card when you came in, I hope. If not, you can always get one from the usher when you go out. And on the back, there is some information. There's a spot there for you to put down, you know, a scripture or a story or something that you'd like us to handle. Can't promise that we'll, uh, we'll get to yours, but uh, we'll definitely take a look at it, consider it, and, uh, and hopefully we can have a little bit of fun with that. So, um, but we want to learn how to be better followers of Jesus. And so that's what our focus is on the Summer Sizzle series. Now, uh, uh, summertime is a time for hospitality and, you know, for things like family reunions. Now, I just want you to imagine for a minute that uh, your family is having your reunion. Um, you know, it's going to be uh, you, um, maybe your parents, your siblings, your sisters, your brothers, and their kids, and maybe your aunts, your uncles, your nieces, your nephews, your your cousins, and you know, just there's going to be like a whole crowd of people at this reunion. The thing you don't know is it's happening at your house. Okay, so you, they forgot to tell you that you're hosting. The family reunion this year. It's your turn this year, right? So, um, and they all arrive at your house one uh, very hot Saturday afternoon, and uh, they just, you know, said, here we are, it's time, and you're thinking now, what am I going to do? Are you going to send them home? No, get out of here, everybody. I don't have anything prepared. I haven't cleaned my house. Uh, you know, the grass isn't cut. Uh, you know, I, I don't have any food. So get out of here. Or are you going to try to improvise, figure something out? Maybe order pizza. <laughs> I don't know. But are you going to try and figure something out? What happens when a whole crowd of people land on your doorstep and you are expected to show hospitality to them? Worse yet, let's think about the bigger problem, more serious problem, hunger in our world. Does God have a plan for feeding hungry people? What about people that are starving to death? What about people that, uh, that don't have enough food? Even our own community, maybe around the world in different places. Is, does God's kingdom take into account the, uh, the needs of people around the world who may be hungry today? This first sermon in our Summer Sizzle series focuses on a couple of stories in the Gospels that give us a glimpse into Jesus' kingdom plan for caring for the needs of people. The serious ones and maybe the not-so-serious ones. Two stories. 
that are recorded in all four Gospels. Well, one of them is recorded in all four Gospels, and the second one is recorded in two uh, Gospels. They're almost identical stories, um, except for a few um, details. And uh, they're probably in the title, in your, if you have a Bible and you have little subtitles in your Bible, um, it probably would say, Jesus feeds 5,000, or Jesus feeds 4,000. Um, and uh, now, whether or not these are the same story told a couple different ways with different facts, or whether they are um, actually uh, the same, you know, are, are actually different occurrences, which is probably more likely when you look at, you know, some of the commentaries and things like that. They say the fact that Matthew and Mark record, record both the uh, feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 is probably that there were two different times <clears throat> that Jesus fed a large crowd. And, uh, and they are recorded. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the disciples, when Jesus uh, proposes to perform this miracle, they have the same reaction both times. And some people say, well, that, could, that can't be. Then it must be the same story because they must have learned their lesson after the first time. Well, how many of you have had to, you know, have the same experience multiple times before you learned a lesson? Yeah? <laughs> you know, sometimes we're a little bit thick in the head or thick in the heart because we don't really get it. We, we think, well, this is just a one-off. This is just a, a particular circumstance. But, you know, the Lord is faithful to bring us round and round and round to teach us something that's very important. And that's what happens, I think, maybe with this story with the disciples because they play a pivotal role and their faith is challenged in this situation. The story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it like it's one story. I'm going to kind of put the facts all together and uh, so that it's, it's kind of like one story. But Jesus, is, he's gained a lot of popularity by this time in his ministry. He's been, uh, he's been uh, teaching and, and doing miracles, healing people, and the crowds that are following him are getting larger and larger and larger, and it seems like it's incessant. And so Jesus is getting tired, the disciples are getting tired, and Jesus keeps trying to get away from it. Um, and, you know, just to get a break. And so on this one occasion, he gets into a boat and he crosses the lake to go to the other side thinking, okay, they're not going to follow him across the lake. There's not enough boats here. But, you know, word gets around and I guess they get around the lake. And by the time he, he gets there, there's actually a crowd already waiting for him on the other shore. And so Jesus begins to uh, teach them and do miracles. It's, it's a, just a full day of ministry for Jesus. Now, I don't know if you can really appreciate how tiring it can be to actually be involved in, in you know, public ministry sometimes. I don't know uh, if you do public speaking or that kind of thing, but it actually can take a lot out of you. And for Jesus, a whole day of teaching and interacting with people would have been tremendously draining for him. They got towards the end of the day and the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, we're going to have a problem here because these people are going to expect, they, they need some food, they haven't eaten all day and we're in a very remote area. So Jesus, you need to shut this down and send them away to, uh, to, so they can get some food. Otherwise we might have some trouble. You know what happens when people get 
angry or get hungry, they get, can get angry, right? And you got this crowd of people, and if they start getting hungry, and, you know, they could just actually start, you know, kind of turning on one another or whatever, and the disciples are being really astute and thinking very practically about this situation, and they encourage Jesus just to say, okay, enough is enough, I'm done teaching today, no more miracles, no more healings, scram, go home. <clears throat> we don't have anything here for you. We're done. We've given you all that we have to give you. But Jesus doesn't take their advice. He doesn't agree. And he tells the disciples that they should feed the people. Again, the disciples being very practical, being pretty, you know, um, reasonable, really, they protest and they say, Jesus, it's impossible. It's impossible. First of all, we don't have anything to feed them. And secondly, um, any of the nearby towns are, are too small and it's too late in the day. You see, uh, this, the, these stories record 5,000 or 4,000, but generally they only counted the men in account, right? And um, that's a very uh, uh, cultural thing that they did back then, just count the men, and every man had women and children with them probably. So if there were 5,000 men, there could have been, you know, maybe 15,000 people there. All right. Or if there are 4,000, there could be 12,000 people there. There's a larger crowd than the number. And any town nearby would not have that kind of population. Besides, it was early, it was late enough in the day that in those towns, if they'd had a market where people would bring their wares to the market or they would barter or they would sell, you know, maybe some baking or some crops or that kind of thing, that probably would have already happened and everybody would have taken home what they needed for the day and they would be in their homes preparing their meal, getting their, 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 uh, their evening activities going and all the, the marketplace would have been shut down by that time because the disciples point out to Jesus, it's very late in in the day. But Jesus is not uh, taken aback by this protest or by these very logical reasons that the disciples give. And Jesus says to them, well, what do we have? And they say, well, we don't know. Well, find out, Jesus says. Take an inventory. What do we have? So they scour the, uh, the, the crowd of people, I guess, and they gather together. In the one story, it's five uh, loaves of bread. Now, not loaves like we would have, but like little, little you know, pita-style loaves. Uh, in India, they call them chapatis or, you know, pita bread or any kind of flat bread, all right? No yeast. And uh, so there were five of those, and there were maybe a couple fish. In one of the other accounts, there's seven little pieces of bread, loaves of bread, and some fish. And uh, Jesus said, oh, that's interesting. That's what we have. Okay, well, organize the people into groups, Jesus says. So the disciples organize the people in groups and get them to sit on the ground in groups, like a big picnic. And Jesus prays over the food that he has. He prays over the inventory. The, uh, he holds it up. He gives thanks for it. He blesses it, the scripture says. And then they begin to pass out the food. The five loaves or seven loaves, whatever, they take the food and they begin to pass it out and they begin to share with one another the food. And it continues to share and share and share and share and share and share until the scriptures records that all the, the, the writers of the gospels record that people had had enough to eat, everybody in the crowd had had enough to eat, and when they gathered up the leftovers, um, they had... Uh, 
several baskets full. One, one story, it's 12 baskets. They had full of bread and fish left over. And that's a story that is uh, commonly told, um, and you may have heard it before, you may not have heard it before, but I want to draw some conclusions about that story, regard, with that story, regarding some of the issues of the, the comparison between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Jesus really, in this story, is representing how the kingdom of God works, as opposed to how the kingdom of the world works. You see this constantly. Jesus, in his teaching in the Gospels, is always trying to to show us what it really means to live in the kingdom of God. Jesus often begins his teaching with the words, the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus is trying to teach people what it is to understand what the kingdom of God is like and what it means to live in the kingdom of God, what it means to live the kingdom way, as opposed to the common understanding of the world. And you have these two systems always uh, opposite each other, the kingdom of, of God and the kingdom of the world. And so Jesus is trying to point this out. Now, even today, in the kingdom of the world, you will see that an underlying message that is proclaimed all the time is one of scarcity, one of fear about having enough. You see this in the, in, in the world today in, um, in advertising. You need more. You don't have enough. You need more. You see it in, in the area of politics, um, you know, where there's a, lot of, there, there's a lot of talk about we don't have enough, we need more. There's a lot of focus on the economy and how we need more. We need to be wealthier. We need to be more prosperous. It's not enough what we have. This is the marketing of investment firms as well and banks. It's always about more, more, more because there's this underlying fear that is, is out there that we will somehow run short. Like the world is just one pie, you know, one nine-inch pie and it can only be cut into so many pieces and you've got to get your biggest piece of the pie because if someone else gets a bigger piece of the pie, you'll get a small piece of pie. That's the system of the world. But Jesus is trying to present the kingdom of God is different than the world. And he really displays this in this story. If we compare the two kingdoms, and I made a little chart, if we compare the two kingdoms, the world's kingdom says, it's not our problem. That's what the disciples said. This really isn't our problem. This is the problem of these people. They need to feed themselves, and we don't have it, so Jesus, send them away. This isn't our problem. Then they said, it's not possible. We can't feed them because the stores are closed, and, and, um, and there's just not enough provision in the area. There's just not enough to go around in the area. And uh, there's not enough was the other thing. The kingdom of God says, though, something totally opposite. Jesus represents the kingdom of God, and he says something totally different. He says, this is our problem. The needs of this crowd of people is our problem. We need to do what we can to provide for these people. They've come here, and they're our problem. Um, And Jesus says, and it is possible. What needs to be done here is possible. And I'll show you that there's more than enough. 
This is the basic difference between when it looks, when you look at provision, when you look at the consistently at the teaching of Jesus, he's always saying to people, you do not have to fear for your well-being, for your own provision, because God is going to take care of you. It is possible there is more than enough in God's supply in his kingdom. The first thing Jesus asks the disciples, he says, what do you have? I think this is a very important place to start. If we're going to combat this fear of scarcity in our world, we need to start with with a, a clear inventory of what each one of us has. What do you have? The truth is, we live in a world where we have a lot. But we are made to feel like we have a little. And sometimes we forget how much we have and we need to do an inventory the fact that, you know, we, we, we live in a society where there is so much overabundance and we forget that we actually are blessed beyond what we really can contain in our own life. And I think our understanding and our, our, our fight with this, this theme of the world of fear of scarcity begins with taking an inventory and acknowledging what we have. There are very a few of us, probably nobody in this room, that is worried about where your next meal is going to come from. There are some people in our community, there are some people that live not far from us that would fear that way, and there are lots of people around the world that live that way, but not you and I, not in, the, not in, in, in our affluent culture and, and, and just looking around the room, just looking at you, you all look healthy and look like you're, you, know, you had breakfast this morning and you'll have lunch after you leave. Uh, maybe some of that sizzling bacon got you thinking about it, right? But I think understanding how much we have is an important place to start because none of us are on the verge of, of starvation or not having enough. None of us worry about being too cold or too hot or and those kind of things. Secondly, I think another thing that's exercised, that's understood in this story is that faith is exercised in letting go. The thing that Jesus required of people in order to perform this miracle or in, in order to feed this crowd is that some people had to be willing to let go. There had to be an act of generosity on the part of at least one or two people. Uh, in one story, it says that a boy had his lunch. And that's the way I always learned the story when I was a kid in Sunday school. It was always a boy with his lunch that his mom packed for him, you know, in a nice little basket. And he carried with him that day, maybe with his fishing pole or something like that. And then he got caught up in this crowd. And the disciples came to this little boy and said, what have you got in your basket? And he said, I got five loaves and two fish. And they said, give it to us. (laughs) But I don't know how that all worked out. But whoever, the little boy or whoever was there, had some resources the disciples found that came to Jesus, probably assuming that Jesus was going to say, well, that's not enough. But they came and someone had to let go. I think understanding this, this is not a theme that just comes from this story, but this is a theme that is throughout the teaching of Jesus and throughout Scripture, is that we have to let go of what we have in order to experience the blessing of God in our life. If we hold on to anything, then we lose it, Jesus said. If you, if you hold on to your life, you lose it. If you let go of your life, you, you gain it back. 
You see this, this idea that there's just not enough and we have to hold on and we have to keep our little, our little bit and, and we have to be, we can't really be generous. We can only be generous if we have leftover and we have to have so much put aside. This is the logic of the worldly system is that you have to have, before you can be generous, you have to have a whole lot set aside and you can be generous out of the overflow of that. So the idea is that, you know, once you've saved maybe, you know, a million dollars, then you can start giving money away. Or you can start being generous to your neighbors. Or you can start being generous to, to someone around the world. Or, you know, the, the idea is that you have, to, you have to have enough for yourself first. And that's not the way the kingdom of God works. It's not about me first and then others. It's about, it's about sharing what you have, being generous with what you have, whatever you have. That's why the story that Jesus told about the woman who brought her offering into the temple and she gave just one little penny, one small coin she gave. And Jesus said because she gave everything she had, she gave more than anybody else, more than the richest person that came to the temple that day and dropped their, their, their money into the offering. Because, because God understands that if we are really going to experience the blessing of God and experience the miracle working power of God in our life, of his provision, if we're going to walk the kingdom way, we have to be generous with what we have, no matter how small or how great it is. Generosity is, is, is key to experiencing the blessing of God in our life. That's why giving is taught in the scripture as a very basic spiritual discipline. It's like prayer. It's like reading your Bible. It's like, it's like, it, it's as fundamental to your walk and following Christ is the, the act of giving. That's why it's rooted right in the scripture, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the idea of being generous and giving away what you have is fundamental to living in the kingdom of God. I think the other thing is that provision comes out of thankfulness. Jesus took time and he, he, he actually thanked God and he blessed the little bit of food that he had. Uh, you know, <clears throat> some of us pause and say grace and it's something that I always struggle with as a, you know, in the family because it always gets to be so routine and so ritualistic and it's hard to, it's hard to keep this as a genuine uh, spiritual exercise. I know that there, there was once upon a time where you actually prayed that the food would be safe to eat. <laughs> it wouldn't kill you, right? <laughs> but most of us don't worry about that too much, though there often are food recalls and things like that, even in our society, where the food could, that we purchase or that we make could be dangerous for us. And so praying that God would actually bless the food and would actually make it healthy for us is a, is a good thing. But sometimes we have to kind of fool ourselves, you know, and, you know, say, Lord, you know, take all the calories out and all the other things that we know are in there that are really not healthy. But anyway, but honestly, it is a spiritual practice and an important part of this understanding of the kingdom of God, of God's provision of being truly thankful for what God gives us. Not forgetting that God is the one who is the source of everything we enjoy whether it's our food, whether it's our clothing, whether it's our, our, our comfy bed. Hope and I were traveling for a couple of weeks, and it's always so nice to get home to your own bed, right? I mean, it's, you can stay in nice hotels and all that kind of thing, but your own bed always feels the best, and you're always like, oh. 
But I'm not sure if I thank the Lord for our nice bed when I got home. You know, these little things that we have in life, it's so important to begin with an attitude of gratitude and be thankful for the things we have because out of that gratitude comes the ability to be one who is generous and cultivating that gratitude increases our own level of satisfaction as well as our ability to be generous to others. When you truly understand what you have and how blessed you are and are thankful for it, it's so much easier to be able to to just live a satisfied life and recognize that you have the freedom to give and to share with others. Then I think we need to realize that God's supply is more than enough. It's amazing in this story, you know, that everyone gets enough to eat. The way I picture this story happening is that it's not so much, it's not so much a, um, like a magic trick that, 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 you know, all of a sudden this food appears. And I think sometimes when we pray for God's provision or when we're asking God for a miracle, we're only thinking about, you know, um, that kind of abundance falling into our laps. You know, winning the lottery or, 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 you know, whatever it might be, you know, winning a trip around the world, whatever it is that you want, you know, and you, you, you just think, well, if God's going to perform a miracle, it's going to be just poof, like a magic trick, and there it is. But that doesn't happen this way. I don't think people really saw the miracle as it was happening. It was just kind of one person to another. And it was like, it was, it was, it was there, and it was, it was, there was just more than enough. It just kept going and going and going and going and going. It's like the story in the Old Testament about the prophet who went to the woman and, you know, he was hungry and he went to a woman in a town and he said to her, he said, could you give me something to eat? And she said, well, she said, I was just about to make my son and I our last meal because all I have is this little bit of flour and I have this little jar of oil and I was going to mix it together and I was going to make some of those little bread things, you know? And um, he said, well, go ahead, make them and share it with me and then I'm sure there will be enough for the next time. And she did that. She was obedient and she, you know, used up the flour and she used up the oil. And But then when she went back to her cupboard, the next day there was still flour, there was still oil. And she always had enough for the next day. She always had enough for the next meal. You see, even that is a miracle in itself. Even that is a miracle. The the fact that we have the next meal is a miracle. It's a provision of God. It's a blessing. And that's where the thankfulness is always more than enough. It doesn't necessarily land, you know, in, you know, a a rainfall of steaks, you know, (laughs) or whatever it is you're craving right now. But it, 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 there's always enough. That's the provision of the Lord. He, he provides for us enough today and enough for tomorrow. That's why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'll provide tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you today. I'll take care of you tomorrow. But we become obsessed. This fear of scarcity makes us obsessed with the idea that maybe we'll run out at some point in time. And we're not always just thinking about tomorrow. Sometimes we're thinking about, what about when I'm 65? Will I run out then? You know, we put these, these, these kind of, the, our culture has put these, these, uh, uh, these expectations on certain milestones in our lives. 
like retirement or like is there going to be enough for the college fund or is there going to be enough for down payment on a house and and we become obsessed over these things that 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 you know someone some out someone some outside force has told us that this is supposed to be and we become we become a, a slave to the expectations of a world system and i'm not saying any of those things is wrong but being a slave to those things is a wrong is wrong what we need to do is we need to trust the provision of the lord in our life there will be enough for tomorrow there's enough today there'll be enough for tomorrow and you may not see it happening but your life is a miracle being lived out every day as the lord provides for you and there is more than enough sometimes it's interesting to me a little detail in this story that i find interesting is that jesus asked for a certain amount of, of organization in the situation. He asked the, the disciples, first of all, to take an inventory of what they had, and then once he had that, he asked them to set them into groups, like get things organized here. Let's find out. We know what we have now. We have these five loaves, these two fish. Now let's find out how many people we have. And I think this is how they came up with an accurate number, is because they put people in groups. And so they could say, well, you know, there's a group of 50 men here and 50 men here and 50 men here and 50 men here and however many kids and wives they had, right? So they knew that by counting the groups, they could, they could simple math lesson, right? By counting the groups now, they could come up with the total number of people that were there or the total number of men that were there. Jesus came up with this, this organization system. And I think that's an interesting little fact because I think one of the things I see for people is oftentimes the reason why we are so bound by fear and of scarcity in our life is because we haven't managed things well. We actually don't know how much we have. We don't actually know how far it will go for us. Because we just seem, you know, in our culture, we just, you know, we see money coming in and we see money going out. And sometimes it goes out faster than it comes in. And we don't actually take the time to organize ourselves and to understand exactly what our inventory is and what our costs are and how that works. And it's a very important principle that I think we need to take advantage of in our lives is to actually be organized. And, and you can rid yourself of a whole lot of fear and a whole lot of a sense of scarcity if you just actually take time to evaluate your situation. Over the last year, we've offered a course here a couple times in our, in our real life connection groups, and we'll be offering again, uh, in, in the future, called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's not rocket science or anything like that, but this course is a great tool in helping people organize your finances, setting goals, and having, figuring out how much you have, how much it costs you to live. It's, 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 it seems so simple when you see it, and how, to, how to put money aside so that you have, you have that sense of security and that sense of, 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 a responsibility that you've taken to organize yourself and you're not mismanaging things and you don't have to live in fear. Is there going to be enough to pay that bill when it comes in? Well, how much is that bill? You know, have you ever worried about how big your credit card bill is going to be? <laughs> you know, that happens to us because we, you know, we, 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 you know, we can spend and spend and spend and spend and we just, you know, but the day of reckoning is going to come and with a little bit of management, Sometimes we can eliminate that power the world has over us in the fear that it creates in us in the list of scarcity. Finally, um, the miracle happens in the sharing. This is where the miracle actually happened. It's not when Jesus prayed. 
It didn't go poof, and there was all this, this bread and all this fish there. It happened in the sharing. It happened in the, in, the, in the passing of the breaking of the bread and the passing from one person to another. And every time it was passed to another person, there was always enough. You know, you often hear stories out of the, you know, the Depression or, or you know, in, in, in uh, you know, previous generations of, you know, the, you know, people arrive at the door, like I said, you know, family from far away when you didn't have all that, you know, communication we have now. By the way, I'm on my way over. What's for dinner? <laughs> you texting or something like that. You didn't have that. And people just tr- showed up at home and, you know, they joke about putting, adding a little bit of water to the soup or whatever, but, you know, people would always tell stories that there was always enough, there was always enough at the table, at the farm table, or whatever, you know? But I believe that's really true. If you're open to sharing, your little can become a lot. And I think Jesus clearly illustrates this, that we never lose out ourselves when we share with others. We always gain. There's always, there's always a gain that comes to us and to other people when we share what we have, when we give to others, when we practice hospitality. Uh, and, and in this whole thing, you know, when you actually sit down in a group of people and you're sharing food together, you actually, a crowd becomes a community. Your strangers become family. The, 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 the whole concept of, of sharing and, having, and showing hospitality to others and, 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 and giving what you have to others. Sometimes we get hospitality confused with entertaining in our world. You know, we get, you know, the, the concept of having, you know, dinner parties or, you know, kind of putting on a Martha Stewart kind of spread or whatever. You know, you got to have everything fancy and everything all perfect and you have to have the best food. That's not what, sh- that's not what hospitality is about. That's what showing off is about. And it has its place. <laughs> it's fine. There's nothing wrong with throwing a good party and having a lot of fun together. But there's something even better about just sharing the very simple things of life. Pulling, you know, pulling the, 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 you know, the, the very basic things of life and sharing it with someone else and enjoying that hospitality together. When there is no pretense, when there is no attempt at showing off, when there is no attempt at, at actually trying to impress somebody or be impressed by somebody, when it's just actually sharing what you have already with others. There's something powerful in that, and there's, some, there's a miracle that happens. You see, when we share, what seems to be a limited supply for us becomes a blessing to another person. And that's what we see in Jesus' uh, miracle of feeding the 5,000, 4,000. It was just a little bit. It was just... Seven loaves and a few fish or five loaves and two fish or whatever story you're looking at. It was just a small amount, but it fed thousands of people that day. And it wasn't a, a, a bolt of lightning out of the sky. It was just a group of people that began to share. Jesus started. He broke the bread and he passed it on. And they broke the bread and they passed it on and they broke the bread and they passed it on and they broke the bread and they passed it on and they broke the bread and they passed it on. I don't know what they did with the fish. Do you break fish? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a fish eater myself, but you know what they they 
they, they, they just took what they had, they broke it, they kept passing it on, and in the end, there were baskets full of leftovers. What a picture of God's provision. You know, the world will tell you all the time that you don't have enough, that you need more, that your, your cupboard isn't full enough, that your house isn't big enough, that your, 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 uh, your table isn't grand enough, your whatever. There will be all of these 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 inhibitions and excuses like the disciples had that will be put upon you when you think about sharing with others. But I believe not only is this the answer for for you know impromptu parties at your house, but this is also the answer to world hunger. I, I don't know I, I don't have the statistics with me, but I know the statistics are that there's enough food in this world to feed the whole world. It's a distribution problem. And there's all this kind of problems. Even when we try to give it away, there's, there's, it, you know, there, 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 there's so many economic interests and so much going on. And, you know, wh- when I imagine what it's going to look like when the kingdom of God is fully implemented, when Jesus finally sets everything in order the way it's meant to be, there is going to be enough for every person. There will be no child that goes hungry. There will, be no, there will be no group of people that will be refugees. This is, this is the solution to our refugee problem. It's this, this concept that's rooted in, 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 in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's illustrated so clearly in this story that if we would just be willing to share what we have, to be grateful for what we have and be willing to share it and not be, be beholden to this this worldly kind of thinking that that if we give something away we will somehow lose and we won't have enough for ourselves that's the way the world thinks that's the way the system of this world thinks but that's not the way it works in the kingdom of god jesus gave everything and he gave it all back and he says to us the same we just give, keep giving and keep giving and keep giving and as long as you give i'll keep pouring out the blessing to you you see, I think sometimes the reason why we don't receive all the blessings that we, we really, that God wants to pour into our lives is because it's just like pouring, it's pouring a blessing into a hole and it just falls through. But if God can count on us to be a conduit of his love and his grace and his mercy, then he's just going to keep pouring blessing into our lives. If he can trust us to be generous, if he can trust us to be ones who share and give to others, the Lord is just going to continue to bless us because he's going to see us as, as part of his kingdom and part of, of giving away the resources that, that are so needed in our world, around the world. So I challenge you this morning to think about some things maybe in your life that you have the opportunity to be able to share with others. On this hot summer day, maybe it's putting a sprinkler in your front lawn and inviting all the kids in the neighborhood to come and use your water instead of their water. Maybe, it's, maybe it is sharing some food. Maybe it is sharing... I don't know what God would speak to you, but I believe that if you are open, the Lord is going to show you needs in the lives of other people. And if you seriously look at what you have yourself, what you have, what you possess, what God has blessed you with, and then you begin to see the needs of others, you can, be, you can become a blessing to others and God will continue to bless you and pour out into your life abundantly.
Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word, for, your, for the stories and the way that you just illustrate to us over and over again how good you are, how much you love us, how much you care for us, and how, Lord, you want us to live so radically different than this world. And Lord, I pray that in this area of generosity, of sharing, of giving, of, of, of understanding your blessing, I pray, Lord God, that you just help us to see it and to begin to practice in our lives the love and the generosity that can flow from our hearts. Even as you have poured out your love to us, Lord, may we just continue to pour that love out to others in real tangible ways, Lord, whether it be giving of our money or our our, our, our property, our, our possessions, Lord, or just our kindness and just our relationships and just, um, just loving on the people around us in, in, in real and concrete ways. I pray that you'd help us to do that. And Lord, may we just experience that miracle-working power of your life that we see, that we are blessed in the giving, in the sharing, and that we, Lord, are not losers in it, but Lord, we just continue to be winners in your kingdom as we share the love of Jesus with other people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you out in the lobby. And Alicia's gonna...